Good morning, everybody. Max Gordon here from Iron Man Wilding. Really happy to be present with everybody. Um, had a great conference. I went to a tracking conference, a wildlife tracking conference, and uh, took some great notes and made, and made some new friends. And it's definitely really humbling. And it's funny because um, the the document that I'll be reading today that I have been reading, um, <clears throat> the one of the women that works closely with the author was a keynote speaker. And I approached her after the class and I was like, well, how much would it be for us to do a private lesson? Because I was like, well, I would love to learn and um, potentially bring other instructors on with that. And so her and I might be working together um, in some capacity. Um, she works half the year in, uh, in South Africa on uh, one of the big preserves there and spends all her days um, tracking the big five, which I think the le there were leopards, the, ry the rhinos, uh, the African buffalo, the elephants, and there's one more. I don't remember right now, um, but I think that's really cool. And so today I am also excited because we have our online course that we launched and that's really big for me. Um, super excited about that and I'm looking forward to everybody kind of hearing about that and um, so that's that really gets me gets me excited. Um, so I'm just making a note right now about sharing that with everybody. Um, so I'm excited new uh, it's a new course on track uh, excuse me on on foraging um, and it's gonna be it's good for families um, for adults and for families who want to work together and I think it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a big hit at least it's a big success for me because I've never done anything like that before and uh, I feel proud of it so that said I hope that you know you enjoy this t the podcast today and you know you share uh, with your friends and whoever uh, what you find interesting from this podcast and so I'm just grateful for this opportunity to share even if it's getting it's slow to grow which is it's okay it's part of it so um, that said um, that said let's get into this origin of tracking this is a new chapter chapter 8 the scientific imagination to develop an explanation of how science evolved, we need to have some understanding of what we mean by the term science. In this book, I will make a clear distinction between empirical knowledge and creative science. I will look at how some scientists think when they engage in scientific reasoning and the views of various scientists and philosophers of science. I will point out the similarities between the art of tracking and modern science, with particular reference to modern physics. Perhaps the most significant feature of the hypothetical deductive reasoning in science is that a hypothesis may enable the scientists to predict novel facts that would not otherwise have been known. A simple example of how hypothetical deductive scientific reasoning may result in the prediction of novel facts of tracking is illustrated by a set of uh, caracal tracks I found at Cape Point near Cape Town, South Africa, where I live. The caracal is a nocturnal wild cat and is hardly ever seen during the day on the outskirts of a city where it might be disturbed by human beings, humans and dogs. Looking, and he writes a uh, journal, looking at the tracks, I could visualize how the caracal was walking when it turned 
and pounce towards the left, twist it around, and jump back towards the right. There was no signs or tracks of the animal it was pouncing at. Initially, I thought of two explanations. At first, I thought it could not have pounced at a bird because it pounced twice, as if the bird flew away. Why would it pounce in a second time? So, I thought the fact that it pounced twice indicated that a mouse ran from the first pounce. Excuse me. So, I thought the fact that it pounced twice indicated that a mouse ran from the first pounce landing position to a second pounce landing position. But there was no sign of mouse tracks. So, I thought that maybe the wet sand was hard enough that the mouse tracks did not show and that it was maybe a little shrew. Maybe it was a little shrew. But neither hypothesis made me feel confident that it was a right explanation, leaving me uneasy, feeling uneasy. It was a bit of a mystery to me. And he's showing a picture of uh, the second set of pouncing gate footprints left deep impressions. Novel solution. The next morning I thought of a novel solution. Two things made me feel uneasy. Firstly, I could not find any sign of mouse tracks even though the smallest mouse should have, should have left faint signs of its sharp claws digging into the sand as it jumped to get away from the caracal. Secondly, the second time the caracal jumped, after twisting around, the bounding gait footprints left deep impressions, yet the stride length to the point where it landed was very short. So these are some keywords, gait, stride length. So gait and stride, it's important. What I think must have happened is that it tried to pounce on a small bird sitting on the ground. The bird flew up in the direction of the second set of pounce tracks so that the caracal twisted around and leapt straight up into the air trying to catch the bird in mid-air. This would explain why the bounding tracks for the second leap left deep impressions, uh, imprints. Its feet were pushing down into the ground, not backwards, so they were going forwards, and why the stride length was so short, it went straight up and down. It would also explain why I could not find any mouse tracks or any other tracks. The tracks of the little bird where it was sitting must have been obliterated by the tracks of the caracal when it tried to pounce on the first time. I then remembered that a few years ago before a colleague of mine, uh, Adrian Liu, told me that he had seen a, a servo leap up and catch a bird in midair. But it was something I assumed a caracal would not be able to do. The serval is a very slender, agile cat. With the uh, while the caracal is much heavier, stockier animal. Just as the sl slender cheetah is, is a much faster animal than the heavier, stocky leopard. I assume that the slender serval would be much faster than the stocky caracal. So the thought that a caracal could be as fast enough to catch a bird in midair never occurred to me. I did not initially think of this explanation because at the time I did not know that a caracal could jump, could leap up and catch a bird in midair. In terms of my own experience at the time, this was a new behavior that I did not know of. As with any set of data that creates a puzzle that do not fit your preconceived expectations, your subconscious need to work on it to create a new hypothesis. 
I had to sleep on it before thinking of a solution the next morning, resulting in an aha moment. Even though the memory of the servo amount, uh, account seemed like an afterthought that indirectly substantiated my interpretation of the Caracol tracks, it probably did play a role uh, subconsciously in finding a solution while I was asleep. In mathematics and science, the creation of a hypothesis often requires a subconscious period of incubation preceding a sudden illumination. Since the caracol is, a no is nocturnal, it is unlikely that I would obs ever observe this behavior. However, creating a hypothetical explanation of the tracks enabled me to predict a novel fact about the caracol's behavior. The novelty of my prediction needs to be qualified. Subsequent literature research confirmed that the caracol is in, fa is in fact fast enough to leap up to catch birds in midair, and that their speed surpasses that of most cats, although this was, this was therefore not strictly a novel prediction. Since that has been documented in the literature, the fact that it was new in terms of my own experience doesn't illustrate how a tracker can predict novel facts by creating a hypothesis to explain tracks. A non-literate Kalahari tracker with no access to the literature could conceive the, new the same hypothesis and the same novel prediction, but it was not possible to observe the thought process of a traditional tracker. Even when you interview them, the more subtle aspects of their thought processes are lost in translation. My own experience is therefore the only way that I can analyze the thought processes of a tracker. So I think um, overall, this kind of this whole experience of the, the conference and, and this and this work is kind of humbling and exciting, and um, it's a it's a new exploration. I think at first I was very you know in my career I've been really interested in ethnobotany. Um, and they're all, of course, all these disciplines are connected because animals um, are there because of the plants too. So, but now it's track, you know, now it's getting into tracking, so um, and hunting. Um, so I'm really excited to just learn more and be humbled by the process. Um, so I hope this has all been an illuminating process for you. And um, so again, we have our course that's live, and um, be sure to uh, tune in next week with another episode of Mulberry Monday. Thanks so much, and I hope you have a great week. Max Gordon out.